0: Hi everyone, welcome to The Notes, to my legal self. I'm Olga Mack, I am your host. This is a place where I talk to in-house legal professionals about all kinds of things. We talk about career, we talk about aspirations, we talk about pivots, we talk about community involvement, we talk about hobbies, we talk about all of those things because in-house legal professionals are humans first and humans talk about all of those things. And those conversations, we can one learn from each other and they make us more rounded. So if you know somebody who can push this conversation forward about career, community, hobbies, aspirations, let me know. I would love to include that person in this conversation. And if that person is you, definitely nominate yourself. I consider it an act of great courage to nominate yourself. Today we have a fantastic guest Uh, We're gonna have a really exciting conversation. Giselle, welcome to the show. I wanna talk to you for a long time now. Please introduce yourself.
1: Hi Olga, thank you so much for the opportunity to be on your show. I'm so excited. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. So I'm Giselle Colonzo Douglas and I am in-house counsel to Bethel Gospel Assembly and the Pavilion of the Park. Bethel Gospel Assembly is an international religious organization and the Pavilion of the Park is the holding company affiliated with the organization and it holds all of the real estate assets of the organization. So my job is to not only be the chief legal officer but to be the, the caretaker, the safeguard for the, legal, uh, the real estate portfolio of the organization.
0: Wow, it sounds like an organization with, was a big mission. Um, and yes. being in house of an organization like that, that's that's a big job. Um, how did you get to it? What were the steps along the way? Well, um,
1: my story is a little bit different, I think for most attorneys in terms of just having a traditional path. So I started law school. I'm originally from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. So my my family came to the States um, during very much of political upheavals. My father was involved in the, um, one of the, the parties in the Congo that was trying to kind of, you know, bring democratic change. And so we, we left, you know, fearing for our safety and coming to America, you know, looking for the dream as so many immigrants have. By the time I reached law school, um, I was still kind of dealing with my immigration status. So I was able to do one year of law school um, before that kind of reared its ugly head. And I wasn't able to continue and um, financially uh, maintain the ability to go to law school. Um, so I had to leave law school while I dealt with my immigration status and we thought it was going to take six months. The law school was very gracious. They helped me be in touch with some um, immigration attorneys. And we were like, oh, just take a semester off and then you'll be back. It actually took four years. So there was a four year gap be- between my first and uh, my second years of law school. So by the time I came back to law school, I had kind of missed the um when you class graduated, okay? They, you, you, you missed a lot of things, right? Yeah. But you know, like the traditional past stuff, so like the on-campus interviews, all of that to kind of be on the uh, track for, to be in a firm, right? So, um, and I worked full-time and went to law school. So when I, when I left law school, I actually went immediately into... Um, criminal defense firm, but they were looking to merge with a civil firm. And so I came in to kind of be that bridge in that gap. And so this organization that I currently work for was a client. Uh, I was doing just reviewing contracts for them. Um, then in 2006, they were one of the first religious organizations to, they sold their air rights to a developer and that yielded some property for them. And so that was very novel in New York. Now it's a little bit more commonplace, but at the time it was very novel. And so as I was looking to transition and actually, move out of New York. They asked me to come on board, and because they were growing and were looking to create this um, this role, and it kind of was one that has grown from you know nothing into what it is today. So, I, I think what got me here was just being open and saying yes mm-hmm. to an opportunity that presented itself.
0: Yeah, you what a, what a rich history. You know, I was listening to your story immigrating from Congo and, you know, mm-hmm. dealing with all this stuff, having a full-time job to go through law school. It's kind of reminded me of my story. I immigrated from Ukraine, similarly for political mm-hmm. reasons. Yeah. Uh similarly, you know, got myself to law school. I, you know, I I, I did go straight through, but I had worked, you like, had many jobs throughout college and law school. Um, and it, it really gives you, I guess, maybe one, a different perspective and appreciation of what it means what what a huge opportunity it is to get a law degree in the United States. Period. Absolutely,
1: um, absolutely. Because
0: yeah, I, I you know for, you know for me it, it was a couple of things. One is that in my where I come from, my not have even gone to college. Uh, mm. But two is because you really see, and I'm just curious. This is where I'm curious how you it, You see the role of law as being very important in the orderly society. <laughs> right. And you and you see. You really, at least I saw, I'm doing important work. <laughs> no matter what, what I do with law, I'm part. Right. I'm part of law, which is an important mission. Like, how how did that make you feel, given in kind of the background in Congo, which you know different from Ukraine in in kind, but not. Mm-hmm. in, in, in in flavor, but not in kind.
1: <laughs> right, 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 right.
0: No, absolutely. I feel the same way. And it was
1: I there was no one in my family who had been an attorney. So I was the first. And so it really did come from such a sense of you you get such a sense of right and wrong, a sense of justice. And even though um, you know, I wasn't like a prosecutor or anything, but just doing things the right way, doing things that help people, just became very much ingrained in me.
0: I think for me, being in law is sort of a privilege. And no matter what I do, private sector, public sector, government, um, it it is a strong statement in in supporting orderly civil society, which I think is a sort of fabric that that makes things possible. Absolutely.
1: It is a privilege. And that's why, you know, 17 years in, um, I'm still excited every day about the work that I do. You know, it's not just a job. It really is part of, you know, who I am, I've just had to learn to navigate it a different way (laughs) so that it doesn't take over my identity because I'm layered as we all are, right? We have different tiers to us. And so during this process and part of this conversation that we're going to have has been about developing, finding those layers, developing
0: them so that, and having them help me be a better attorney. Absolutely. Um, You had a key conversation Tell us about the conversation, tell us more about this conversation, because I want to frame um, this discussion, you know, what it means to be a full person and, and live up to your potential as a lawyer. What conversation did you have that was important in your life uh, in reflecting how you show up as a lawyer?
1: Right, so in 2019, I was with my son at a football game, He's, he's very cerebral. He's not necessarily into sports. And so he, I kind of dragged him because my husband can go. And we're sitting there watching the game and he, he's kind of laying on me. And um, he asked me, what did I want to be when I grew up, like when I was a kid? And I'm like, oh, I'm doing it. I'm a lawyer. And he kind of looks at me. He's like, well, what's your more? And I was mm-hmm. like, what? He's like, well, what's your more? And I'll tell you, Olga, from that moment, I've become focused. <laughs> <laughs> on figuring out what because I was like this little kid <laughs> you know he's challenging me in a way that I haven't challenged and he was so like launched a lot
0: about it but what's your more but it hit me profoundly.
1: Um, yeah, no. I mean
0: there's something about your children putting a mirror in front of you right uh, that is really powerful that that, that in the different ways that happens to me in, in some of my conversations I have two children of different personalities and mm-hmm. and it's, it's it's really powerful because you really want to be the best self and, and prepare them for the world and when they kind of put it back at you <laughs> Right. You're like, that's an, you know, that's an important question for me, but it's also an important question for me to answer to you so that you can be a productive member of society. Tell me how you thought, like, what did, what did this question mean to you and what was going on through your head as you were having this conversation with probably like one of the most important people in your life? Right.
1: So my immediate response was, wow, that's a great question. And I am going to think that through and come back to you. And I've actually had the opportunity to go back to him and remind him of that conversation and what I've done about it since. So in the more immediate space, I really was thinking it was about my work that he was asking me like, hey, are they professional aspirations that you have, you know, goals that you have to become, you know, to kind of rise through the ranks and get to a particular level. and So in the immediate, again, I was focused on that. I was kind of looking looking at my job, or what can I do that's more? What can I do that brings me more money? Is it more, you know, stature? Um, And I I realized that that was such a limited view of that question. Um, And so, it took a while. I guess I was a little bit slower than I thought.
0: <laughs> no, it's but, just, I think that's a big question. And it's, it takes some processing and reflecting. It's not a question that it's a knee jerk reaction for most of us. Right. So, did you find your more? Um, well, I'll say this. <laughs> Sorry. I, um, I, I did not mean to put more pressure. No, no, I think no, no, no. Kind no, of no, no. What he, what he, his job there. But I'm just curious. What, like the suspense is too much. Like what happened? Right. <laughs> the short answer is yes.
1: I found my more and I realized that my more is not in my work. It is in the totality of me, which includes my work. And so I realized that they were. I definitely, the mirror was held up to my face. I had to look at myself from all angles, including professionally. And I really, I did the work. I challenged myself to say, well, for me, more was also just in terms of excelling, because that's, that's how I internalized it because I reached, I felt like I had reached a pinnacle in terms of my profession, but can I get better within it? I've done this for so many years, but can I still every day learn something more, push the envelope a little bit, improve in some way? Um, and so I just, um, for example, this course on leadership coaching. Uh, at Georgetown and I had a coach working with me on my leadership style, you know, my empathy or ability to empathize with my staff, how I communicate with colleagues. And I learned so much about myself during that process. Cause I think sometimes we think, especially if you've been doing the work for so long, uh, not that you know everything, but you're like, I've done this enough that yeah, I got this in the bag.
0: You know? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, you know, my, 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 my dad who used to work with the miners used to say people who are new, they're incredible, they're sponges and, and all of that, and people who are like really at the end of their career and, and then you know they're obviously good, but it is these people in the middle who are in a dangerous category because they mm-hmm. know enough, so they have a lot of confidence, but they actually don't know everything, so they're the right. most dangerous. Um, so that sort of reminded me of that. Um, you said a couple of things that I want to follow uh, up on. One is it's it's, you you use this phrase it's totality of me, Um, yes that I'm not just a lawyer. There's there's just so much more. Curious, kind of like like why why don't you tell me more about that and how did that impact? the way you approach your job and your your life? When I was in law school, I remember a girlfriend and I talking and
1: we were focused on, when you introduce yourself to people after you graduate, are you gonna say, I'm a lawyer or I'm an attorney? And we're like, ooh, if you say I'm an attorney, it just sounds so much better, right? And so we were just focused on that, right? And so, you know, I realized that even as I became a mom and a wife, I was very work focused. I have two phones, an iPad constantly in response mode, uh, never shutting down, shutting off. Um, And I realized that that led to mental fatigue and it led to some resentments of my work and a little bit of loss of joy. And it's something that I worked so hard for. And that's why I shared the story about that gap of four years because I, Waited and toiled during that time because it was so important to me to be a lawyer. And so I was like, how did I get to this place where I've lost that zeal and I've lost that joy? So I need to recapture that. And so I feel like I, in, in doing the work and figuring out what kind of lawyer I want to be, because that was also a question that a mentor had asked me once. What kind of lawyer do you want to be? Not in terms of what area of practice, but just what kind of lawyer? Do you want to be one who's responsive to clients? One who is, you know, Know, or one who's overworked, but doesn't really get anything accomplished, like figure out what is, it is that you want to do. And so I've, um, I found my joy again in the work, mm-hmm. you know, nice. and that's something that I had lost along the way, didn't realize that I was phoning it in every day you know yeah. um I, I see the difference in my relationship with my colleagues where it's like hey let's brainstorm like you know i think they 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 see me now with a little bit more excitement whereas i know uh it's, it's sad to say but there was a time i'm sure they didn't get that
0: that's really that's really interesting yeah you know having joy is important you, you imagine that you worked with the coach and and that, that that's it and i want to kind of ask that because, you know, some people are more open about it than others. So I'm, I'm grateful that you're open about it. And, and and it sounds like that was a very productive experience and perhaps even pivotal experience yeah, really. in the in the way uh, you kind of got to to uh, understanding yourself. Um, how, and when did you realize that you could benefit from coach and was it like a hard decision for you to sort of accept coaching?
1: No, it wasn't hard because... <laughs> I realized I I got tired of hearing my own complaints, you know, like just the the rah, rah, you know, I just just got tired tired of my own voice. Okay. Gotcha. (laughs) I did because it wasn't moving me further. And so I was stuck. I felt like I was stuck. I knew that I was stuck. And I was saying to myself, Giselle, this is, and it's, when you're general counsel, right? Or the chief person, or you're an attorney general, or whatever profession, if you're the person who for whom the decision from whom the decisions come from, it's hard for you to realize, you know, this I can't do. Um and so it was it was humbling, right? Um to say, hey, I, I, I wanna get a different perspective because what I've done is just not working. And so the coach, shout out to Gary, was just wonderful. And he, you know, he was very clear on saying, this is not therapy. This is really to help you hone those professional skills that you have, the tools that you have in your arsenal to just be able to do better and to do more. Uh, so we would have conversations, like I said, in terms of—I mean, the, it ran the gamut from how I converse with upline, you know, people under me, you know, the board that I serve, what those communications look like, when I have challenges, um, because you'll—you'll you'll see that there are patterns sometimes in your professional career, things that kind of repeat themselves um, and stall you in. Part of that was relational for me. Um, just understanding how different people work, um, meeting people where they are, not getting frustrated when people think a different way. Um, and then realizing that I was also evolving and they needed to receive my evolution
0: as well. I want to talk about this getting to you more because it clearly was a process. Tell me what lessons or lesson was most important as you are going through the process of maybe working with the coach, asking the questions, thinking how you're going to come back to your son, coming back to your son, you know, after you had a clear answer to yourself, um, what is the sort of, or what are the most important lessons um, on that journey?
1: So far, what I've learned is that joy piece is, is, is critical. And it's not like this, um, oh, I'm happy to go to work and get up every day, but just a sense of fulfillment and pride in the work that you do. I think if you feel any kind of shame or embarrassment about what you do, then you're not in your more space. And so ga- gaining that fulfillment at the end of the day, like, okay, we didn't save the world, but I accomplished something that I'm proud of. Um, something else that was very important to me was the creation of boundaries. I realized that this—I um, had this idea in my head that I had to be all things to this, 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 this superwoman attorney. And the woman piece was important because I, there was always this—the um, men dealt with um, differently than the women were being dealt with. So you know, a man to kind of like separate the job from. Um, his personal life and it was actually okay and it didn't it didn't it wasn't an indication that he was slacking or anything so I, I I just felt this pressure to always be on always be in work mode but I had to create very clear boundaries about what time I worked, what time I didn't work when I was available. Um, and then I think the third thing that was a, a, a refrain throughout from the time of law school, until now is that delayed is not denied. And they've been professional goals that I've had that have taken longer than I thought that they would be, but doesn't mean it's not gonna happen. And that throughout the waiting period, you have to continually work on yourself, make yourself better, to make yourself more marketable, to make yourself, you know, more indispensable, to make yourself of add value.
0: I love that. I'm gonna have a couple more questions. I, I'm going to grab on to this. Sort of delayed is not denied. I'm going to linger this for folks <laughs> to think about. That is a very, you know, like you said, it um, among other things that were super important. But I would say that that's like a nugget of gold. Delayed is not denied. You can, you, you know, just because you didn't get it today doesn't mean you never get it. Doesn't mean. You know we may choose not to get it but it doesn't make it less valuable and in fact it actually may make it more valuable because the timing may be better you actually will gain something in the process of learning i just i thought i was uh, how did you get to that delayed is not denied <laughs> there have been
1: many I remember I talked about these patterns that kind of show up in your life at different times. That's been one that has repeated itself in my life, Um, from having to wait for law school to finding this job that kind of met my needs in a lot of different ways. Flexibility to be a mom, um, ability to move and still, you know, be productive part of the team. And so uh, there will be moments where I'll kind of viewed myself as not as successful because I hadn't gone, again, that traditional route of being in a big firm and that becoming partner and then that whole thing. And so it, and a lot of, my coach put it this way. He said, if you went to a party and you started talking to people about what you do, would they ask you you know, did so? Did you go straight through law school, or did you have a break? Right? He was like, you've put this thing on yourself and then diminished your success because it didn't happen in a prescribed time frame. But who's who? Who gives that time frame, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been a lot of affirmation that I've had to kind of <laughs> go through it myself. That hey, you know, there's no. Everyone has a different path, and if yours is a little bit more curved and not straight, it doesn't make it any less valuable or less interesting.
0: It's very interesting. Yeah, we do care, and and we as humans and we as lawyers carry this heavy weight, this backpack um, that not only defines the what, right? Mm -hmm. Like I should get this and this and that, not just the list, but the timing, right? The when, and. How quickly, right? It's just so much more that we put on ourselves to carry. and We don't have to do that. And um, there may be just different tasks. Um, and I love this uh, delayed is not denied. And then, you know, those that, that backpack that you choose to carry, you actually can make a choice not to carry it and, and have a totally different view of who you are as a professional, as a lawyer, as a mother. Um, I'm curious, because I, I, you know, I want to take this conversation for, the, for around, um, you made this journey from, you know, um, you know, Congo through a very traumatic time to United States, having dealt with other things, like in law school of immigration and our immigration system that is, you know, interesting. Um, you know, to being a powerhouse attorney uh, leader, mother, thoughtful contributor to society. How, You're so how good I, for my ego, Olga. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I mean it. And yes, I intend to stay friends with you for a long time. I appreciate <laughs> <you. laughs> um, Tell me, um, how is like your past shaping, connecting you to where you are today? Because I find that I immigrated when I was 12. Mm-hmm. And that Ukrainian girl who was facing very limited opportunity and with a certain chance to go to college is still there. Yes. Uh, and I'm just curious kind of how you, who you know went through again similar in kind, different in flavor experience, how does that shape you? So I came to
1: the States when I was um, 11 years old and I wasn't able to go back to the Congo for 35 years. And the first time that I went back to the Congo was in 2019 with my son and my American husband. And um, man, I, the feeling that I had when I landed and there's this video that my husband took of my dad and I at the airport, it, the best way that I can explain it is that it explained me. It was like being there, I was like, oh, Giselle, you make more sense now. That there were these cultural aspects to me that had been ingrained in me, that had shaped me, made me who I was, that I I couldn't necessarily articulate and name them, but that I felt when I got home. And I was able to go back earlier this year in January and felt it even more so. I visited my old elementary school, went to my old house. And when I tell you, the boost of confidence that that gave me because I saw where I came from and where I was, it just, it was wrapped up in a little bow. It gave me such adrenaline, it gave me such fire. Um, And so there are things in my personal life that I'm doing because I feel like there are other little girls in other places, who need opportunities, and it is going to be part of, part of my more to make sure that those girls have opportunities, have a platform. Um, I just recently, and um, through my church, I'm starting an organization just as moms to help um, mothers who have, you know, to who want to advocate against um, gun violence in the wake of the recent shootings. That's not something I've never been interested in being involved in politics, but um, I was just moved to that place. Um, And I think it's been just a growing and an escalation of everything that I've been through to get me to this and understanding that it's so much more about outside of us than it is about ourselves.
0: Yeah, well, I'm gonna come on two things. One is that those of us who may or may not be in politics can be really moved by an issue and that may change everything that happened to me I was advocacy for women on corporate boards a few years ago, but I thought, you know, what I want to talk a little bit about is, so I've never been back to Ukraine
1: Uh, and
0: I think it's it's an act of courage to go back um, because um, it just, you know, at least I am an overthinker, I'm sure. Um, you know I, you. I, <laughs> in the one hand excitement you know on the other hand I'm worried because you mm. know you know, I, I immigrated around the same time and I'm now and in many ways a true a California girl uh, <laughs> but, in, hey, but in in many ways you know I'm obviously a product of where I come from and, and then there's a sort of a lot of fear and anxiety especially when you don't live on your terms right, uh, right. There, there is sort of a process of going back and and, and 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 kind of accepting where you come from. And so I never been I've been close, so I've been in Poland and I've been in mm-hmm. Baltic where so like Russian speaking. And every time I come closer, I, I kind of experience what you you experience, right? This like, oh, that explains. Oh, some kind of yes. my people, yes. right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is yeah. my tribe. I, I like, I hard, like, even if like I don't understand Polish very well, but like I feel those people, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, but I never actually had the courage to, cr- to 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 cross the border to Ukraine. Now we were actually gonna do it this summer, we didn't for obvious reasons. Um, but it's, it's, it's funny. Um, so your husband sounds like he was very aware that this was a big, important event for you. He, yeah. he videotaped you mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and you had now opportunities to go through that experience, watch yourself go through that experience and now understand how important that experience was for you. And so, um, and one of the things you said, like it explained me. Yeah, Um, tell me more. What do you mean by that? Like going back, explain me. How? Like, like, what what do you mean by that? Well, I, I got to know like Congolese people,
1: and this obviously generalized, but very resilient people have been through so much, right? Imperialism have been through, you know, where the DRC is one of the richest countries in the world in terms of natural resources, but the people are some of the poorest on the planet. Um, but that joy that I talk about, you, we would drive down the street. People just have smiles on their faces. They have hope. And I'm that person. And I kind of sometimes would think to myself, uh, when I would be that way, what's wrong with you? Look, look at your circumstances, you know? But it came from that. I'm also a woman of faith. So that's interspersed in there. But, um, just that, that sense, that resiliency, that ability to wait four years to finish law school, that, that hopeful nature, um, mm-hmm. And then the, because um, when I was leaving the Congo, I remember this guy that worked for our family told me that um, in America all of the streets are paved in gold, and everything costs nine ninety nine. I don't have a clue where he got that from, right? But then when <laughs> we landed in New York, we were in the Bronx
0: in November. I'm not sure about the gold, but nine ninety nine is true, Giselle. Yeah. It's true. He was right about that. Come on. Yeah. You know, he said the streets were
1: paved with gold, but I've come to understand that he was just talking about you have opportunities, right? It wasn't a literal. It
0: took me a while again to figure okay, that out. I was, was going to say he's at least 50% right, but maybe in your, in your interpretation, he's actually maybe 100% right. Okay. Right, cool. right, right. It's all about the perception. So the perception
1: <laughs> is, you know, you have these, you have these avenues and these opportunities that other people wouldn't have. And so when you talked about how, as an immigrant, you understand the value of being in the law, I feel like I've made, I put, when opportunities pre- present themselves to me, Olga, I take them, I really do. You, when you wanted to talk, I was like, great, because this was an opportunity to talk, to share, to, you know, to hopefully impact one person. And so that's how I'm driven.
0: I love that. And I, I really, you know, I ask, you know, I, I see a lot of leaders on LinkedIn. I, you know, it's, it's you know, I, I ask essentially, I ask people out all the time. <laughs> yes. Great so, thing Olga, so far. Yeah, and it's really interesting. It, it, it does lead to some interesting conversations and I've seen different reactions. Um, and sometimes it brings up insecurities. It actually brings a lot of insecurities. It's, I would ask like really tough Lawyers and and then and, and that question will bring like all kinds of insight. I'm like, I'm not meaning to be that person. Um, but I am great. I actually was really grateful by yours to you, to, the way you responded. It's 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 well, one made it easier, but also that you know that you signaled readiness to share. And I really love that when you know I find the one person because I'm like, oh, this is a good timing. The person is you know mature and and ready, and I ask not too early and not too late like i right. really love that because that leads some of the best conversations and i really love this conversation and thank you thank you for sharing your immigration journey and and, and your kind of journey to more and and kind of all, all various struggles i would come into the end i am really grateful for this conversation for many reasons including because it's you know you you you're living a parallel life and, and your sister from you know, a different mother in many yes. many ways so thank you for that um What is one thing you want listeners and the viewers, you know, of of this conversation to take away? Like if they get nothing else, they get in the middle of this conversation, or they really just kind of want to get one nugget. What is the one thing that you want them to to kind of carry with them as they move through life? This is something that I
1: learned through um, even um, the coaching and you talked about having the courage to kind kind of speak. So I would want everyone to remember, you have a story. And yours may not look like mine, but you have a story to tell that can definitely help someone else. I think that if we all had that same mindset, understanding that, you know, what I do has, can have impact for someone else, my God, what kind of world could we possibly have? So this is really not courage for me. It's really having come to this understanding that I have a story that is my own experience, but that I can share it with other people and it can have some impact. So don't be afraid to share your story in whatever space, because you have spheres of influence and in within that small space, you can really make a huge difference.
0: Giselle, thank you so much. This was thank a fantastic conversation, really thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I, I knew I would enjoy it, I just didn't know how much. Um, and this was, you know, I, I planned for a hundred, this is to like, a thousand so we're you know you thank you for that i appreciate it thank you for joining this conversation i really love giselle's message that you all have a story and yes non to legal self could be a place to share it um i i find that when folks share about their journeys whatever that may be they may or may not be you know a journey like olga's and giselle about immigration they may be things in advocacy they could be things in the community they could be things in your career your hobbies, whatever, I find that it helps at least another in-house professional um, and inspires and gives them tools. So if you want to join me or you know somebody who should nominate that person, and remember, I consider self-nominations to be an act of courage. My other takeaway is the delayed, not denied. I think that's a fantastic way to go through life and consider opportunities and your goals and what you want. I'm going to hold on to that. I think it's a fantastic guidance and phrase that i think would be helpful to anyone with that in mind thank you so much for joining i i appreciate your participation and and you're finding the time to be with us we'll be back with more next week and thank you so much have a good one bye everyone